0: I feel like very sorry, you know, for you guys, right? <laughs> the coronavirus, like, makes the college life, you know, very vivid, like, colorful college life, uh, you know, something like not, not, not good, yeah.
1: Hello, and welcome to the ninth and penultimate episode of the first season of ECE Tech Talk, brought to you by the Bradley Department of Virginia Tech. I'm Duan Wanjara.
2: And I'm Ankhirani and we'll be your host for today. So our guest for today is Dr. Zhao Wei. Currently, he's an assistant professor at the Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering at Virginia Tech and is the visiting fellow of the of the Center for Nanoscale Science and Technology. Dr. Wei is an active researcher and has published several journal articles since joining Virginia Tech. He's a member of the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers the Materials Research Society, and the International Society for Optics and Photonics. He was awarded the Young Investigator Award from the U.S. Air Force Office of Research for developing a nanoscale multimodal transducer.
1: Hello, Dr. Wei, thank you so much for being here. Would you like to add anything to my introduction?
2: Thank you very much for the
0: kind introduction, and, uh, and uh, thank you for having me. I don't have anything to add at this point.
1: Sure, let's go forward.
2: So we know you received your bachelor's degree in physics and your master's degree in optics from Shanghai Tong University and your PhD from Northwestern University. So how was your education experience like?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a very good question. And uh, uh, I like physics during middle school and high school and, uh, you know, win some competitions. And also at that time, my thinking is that uh, uh, physics is a foundation you know, uh, behind any type of science as well as engineering. And then I choose to study physics with, uh, you know, with the interest. uh, Actually, in the beginning, I want to be a physics teacher, you know, in the very beginning. And uh, then, uh, you know, during the final year of my uh, undergrad, which was uh, 2003, many years ago, and uh, at one point, you know, in my university back in Shanghai Jiao University in China, there's an opportunity. You know, they give me the uh, opportunity to get into their master degree with fellowship, kind of free master. Then you know, I think, and I I think, yeah, why not? You know, I like physics and I want to do research because during the master program, uh, I can do research. And I choose to do the optics because optics is something like uh, uh, connects the applications as well as the fundamental material science, fundamental uh, physics in terms of the atom physics. Basically, optics is something like uh, it's uh, at that point. I think optics uh, lead to the fundamental side for physics as well as the application side for physics. Then I join a group uh, in my university uh, doing research related to the uh, optical thin film, nanoscale optical thin film. It is kind of uh, the titanium dioxide nanostructured thin film and my advisor Dr. Zhong, uh introduced me into this field. It's kind of biomaterials using the optical thin film to do the uh, by coating, to coat the uh, devices, so that the device can uh, attract or induce the cellular you know, adhesion uh, behavior, basically make the device like the cell, or make the cell like the device surface. And uh, I did my research in two years, and then at the, the end, I decided to come to US to pursue the PhD study, and because my uh, master's study is in optics, however, the core of research is the materials, thin film materials. Then I choose uh, to do a PhD research in material science and engineering department in Northwestern University, and uh, uh, Northwestern University back then is already pretty famous in nanoscience, nanomaterials. And the material science program is the top two program in U.S. Therefore, I feel like, yeah, this is a pretty good offer, you know, compared to some other offers. And then uh, I joined a research group in Northwestern and uh, the advisor is uh, Dr. Autumn. And uh, she is a chemist in, you know, At the center, basically, the core of her research is related to the chemistry related material property. Okay. And uh, I'm the, you know, the student doing the research more on the physics side. Basically, this is uh, something like not uh, quite uh, under her kind of comfortable zone. Then, this actually is a pretty good experience. This gives me a lot of freedom because I'm doing something not at the core of her research group. However, I'm doing something with support from her research group in terms of materials. And uh, in particular, I did uh, my PhD in a type of uh, material called the plasmonic nanomaterial, which is a type of nanostructured uh, material based on metal, or metal dielectric nanostructures. And such kind of materials and structures can, support some fundamentally interesting uh, physical modes, so-called as a surface plasma mode, which is kind of coherent oscillation of free carriers in the metal material at, in the nanoscale the confined uh, volume. And uh, then uh, during my PhD, my research focus is to build the nanoscale metal structures which can serve as the optical nano antenna as well as optical uh, nano cavities, which can enhance the light and the matter interaction at the nano scale. And for particular application, my research focus is to use the metal-based nano antenna devices to enhance the laser at the nano scale. Okay. And then I think I published two pretty good papers, and uh, which provide me the confidence to pursue a academia career. Eventually, we try to be a professor. And uh, actually, my former advisor is still very supportive. You know, even you know, now I'm independent, but she's still very supportive. Yeah, this is my story, you know.
1: It's a very awesome story.
2: Yes, so uh, this, this is really interesting, but did you ever want to work in the industry or did you straight up come and work, work in academia after that? Yeah,
0: so I haven't thought about working in industry. Uh, the reason is uh, simple, you know. Uh, during my PhD, very busy. And in the very beginning, I wanted to be a teacher. This means, you know, I pursue an academic uh, track is something like uh, in the very early stage, like uh, I, in my mind. Therefore, I didn't do any internship during my master, uh, undergrad or the PhD, like I uh, okay, this time. However, I think now I have some collaborators in industry. This means I start to realize that, uh, doing the research without uh, solving the society problems uh, is uh, something like uh, we want to avoid. Yeah, therefore, the feedback from industry is extremely important. For example, like uh, now, uh, you know, basically uh, our current research in ECE, because the reason I joined ECE, not, uh, for example, material science, not like applied physics or the, you know, the biomedical engineering. It's because I feel like uh, the electrical and the computer engineering, is some place, uh, I can find a good foundation in terms of the hardware as well as the software. Basically, it's a hub connects to the very fundamental hardware. For example, single uh, you know nanoscale device level research, as well as the circuit level system, as well as the you know, hardware. Basically, it's a system, right? as well as the algorithm, you know, controls it, you know, the signal as well as the, you know, the software, you know, basically the you know, software, basically, this is the place like I feel like my research background can find a lot of good support from my colleague uh, professors as well as the industry like, uh, you know, partners, yeah.
1: So, um, like you said, you found a good place to be in, in the ECE department. Mm-hmm. But where did you pursue your ECE background? Because you said you, you did your undergrad and master's in, in physics. So yeah. did you just learn the ECE side of it on your own as an interest? Yeah. Or was this something you pursued in the side in your PhD? Where did you find the background to mm-hmm. be an ECE professor?
0: Yeah, this uh, is a very good question. Yeah, another thing I forgot to mention is that I did my a uh, fellowship at Harvard in chemistry and the biological chemistry department. Basically, my background is quite diverse. Uh, you know, undergrad, physics, optics, material science. Then I spent a three years at Harvard in chemistry and the chemical biology. A lot of like bioengineering stuff. And uh, this actually is related to the core of the ECE department, right? If you look into the history, you know, 150 years ago, we we start to have this electrical engineering kind of uh, department or college or program. You know, in Europe or in Germany, in like France, yeah, right. This means the the, the, the historical like a home for the ECE is electrical engineer or electrical engineering. Then the electrical engineering is a branch of physics. It's the electromagnetism. Right, Friday, uh, the you know Maxwell, right? They are supposed to be, they treat them as a physicist. So I think one you know uh, rationale is uh, uh, my background in physics, material science, optics. Uh, this actually coupled to the old uh, trace of the ECE, you know, this community, and then on the other side, now the ECE is the biggest uh, department in the entire engineering college, right? And the reason is very simple, because it's uh, the ECE, electrical and computer engineering. However, electrical engineering covers the electronics, electrical engineering, electrical uh, electromagnetism, as well as optoelectronics. Opt- this is the electrical engineering side, the hardware side. The computer science, this side, actually they are handling the signal. The signal have the electronic signal, have the EM signal, radio signal, right, right? Radio wave frequency signal or the optical signal. This means you can see, you know, this ECE, indeed, the core is the electronics, photonics, EM wave as the core in terms of the hardware then in terms of the you know software algorithm is surrounding it. Therefore, I believe uh, this is one reason you know the employer or the department head feel like I can fit into this department. I can teach some courses in the ECE department related to the physics, related to the e- electromagnetism, related to the optoelectronics, related to the electronics, semiconductor electronics. You know, I can cover this, uh, you know, this side of the ECE in terms of education. On the other side, my background in the biological engineering or the bio nano interface is something also the future for the ECE department. Because now think about the, 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 the big topics for the entire society, right? Humankind. One thing is energy, right? Energy. One thing is information technology. Quantum information, quantum computing, so on and so forth. Another thing is related to the healthcare. Healthcare related to a biological system, related to you know very messy system, right? Living system, related to the you know the the hardware and the you know the living system how they interface, as well as analyze the signal from the living system. Very very messy, very very complicated signal, right? Therefore, I believe, like, uh, you know, in terms of research as well as in terms of the teaching, uh, I can, you know, I can find some area I can support the ECE department,
1: yeah. So, um, you just mentioned a bunch of subdomains within the ECE department talking about mm-hmm. uh, photo-optics, uh, nano, nanomolecular studies. Mm-hmm. What would you consider is your specialty? I know you just mentioned a, a really mm-hmm. wide range. Yeah. I'm curious as to what you think is your specialty, what you are you're excellent at and yeah. uh, you enjoy doing the most.
0: Thank you for asking this question. Very important. You know. uh, this kind of question, like for every researcher, we torture ourselves almost every day. You know. You know, there are so many interesting things to study, right? What's your core research? So I will say in this way, the core of my research is the nanoscale system or nanoscale device. And in one sentence, what we are doing is to merge electronics and photonics functionality, as well as engineering at a nanoscale for application in the messy system, including the biologic system, as well as some chemical system. This is one sentence. That's we, a great and,
1: explanation.
0: Yeah, this is, uh, you know, then I expand it. You know, you know what do we do is uh, solid-state materials. We control the material properties. We engineer the material geometry and the material structure so that this particular material, which not necessarily the pure one type of material. It can be a combination of many material right And we put it in a rationale which can make some device, for example, a transistor electronic device, for example, a nanoscale electrode at the same time. We want this device. It can serve not just the electronic functionality, like transistor, three-terminate device, or an electrode, one terminal, or diode, two terminal. At the same time, it can serve as an optical device, like nano antenna, which can enhance the light and the matter interaction at a nano scale. Then the purpose, why? Why you want to merge electronics and photonics in terms of functionality at the nano scale? The reason is very simple. My research goal is to make something. Okay, this thing can have multi-modality, electrical modality, optical modality, which can serve as a transducer. Ha- can basically have the signal in. This means the signal in, collect by the transducer, and do something locally, and then deliver the signal out. Okay? You see it, right? The cool thing is now at nanoscale we do it multi-modality. We can use a single device to interface with a complicated system with multiple functionality. This means if it's a biological system, for example, a single cell. The cell will function, for example, a neuron cell. It has the electronic property, for example, a firing. Basically, it's about the neuron circuits, right? Single neuron can file or receive the electrical signal from the neighboring neuron, and then do the local processing, or decide to file or not file. This is electrical functionality. We need to use the electrical transducer to sense locally what's the status of this cell. However, the cell itself is a machinery, a living machinery. It consumes energy, right? Based on the chemistry, biochemistry. Then we also want to have some uh, transducer which can read out this local biochemistry. For example, the neuron have the neuron transmitter It's uh, receive the transmitter or deliver the transmitter. What is neural transmitter? It's type of molecule. Therefore, ideally, at the same location, for example, we can read out what's the electrical status for the neuron, as well as what's the local chemical environment for the neuron. Also, what about the temperature, right? Any biochemistry, you know, chemical reaction, consume or, you know, induce some local temperature heating, right? The temperature increase or temperature decrease. This can capture the metabolism property for this neuron. This is a biological system. The same idea can be applied to some other system, like uh, the, you know, photocatalysis, you know, renewable solar energy. At the local scale, we want to convert the solar energy photon into the local electron hole pair generation in the solution environment and somehow we can induce the charge transport into the electrode. Then we can convert the photon energy into the electronic energy in terms of the electrical potential. How to control it, the, you know, photochemistry, photocatalysis, then ideally we also want to have some local transducer. We can read out the temperature, read out the chemical process we can also read out what's the photon density. And then hopefully we read out, then we can make a decision. This means it's a sensor, another thing is the actuator. We read out something related to a biological system, related to the chemical energy system, then we need to make a decision. Yes, we wanted to, sell, to make the cell less excitable. This can be useful for the brain, you know, diseases, right, the seizure, right, we read out what's going on in the brain, then we can make decision, oh, this guy going to induce a significant seizure activity, then we want to use some, you know, external signal to suppress the seizure activity, right, this means first, uh, you need to sense, you need to detect it, second, then you can use a machine learning, you know, big data to make decision statistically, then You can make the actuation. You can try to influence the system. The system can be anything. Human brain can be the cancer, can be the, you know, the, 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 you know, photocatalysis, you know, chemical system. Yeah, I hope. Now I explain the research, the reason why we need a nanoscale multi-model transducer detector as well as the actuator.
2: Absolutely. So have you started working on any device that could help for the brain seizure that you just mentioned? Uh, not
0: directly, but indirectly by collaboration with one of uh, my close collaborators, also at the EC department. Her name is uh, Dr. Xiaoting uh, Jia, Dr. Jia. Her group is uh, developing a multi-model fiber-based uh, probe for interfacing with uh, you know human brain. And uh, we can put our nanoscale transducer on the tip of their multimodal fiber system. Okay, and then the combination of this nano system, nano device, with their micro fiber system can induce a hierarchical nano and the micro, uh, you know, multimodal, multifunctional system.
2: Yeah, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, is this research that you mentioned? Uh, is that the reason that you received the Young Investigator Award for? Yep. Oh, yes. So the, the, the goal for that
0: uh, Air Force-supported Young Investigator Award is to, um, to develop a nanoscale no, electronics and photonics transducer for interfacing with a single neuron. Yeah.
1: Awesome, I saw an article talking about your coronavirus research recently.
0: Oh, yeah, there's a recent paper published. Can you talk a little
1: bit more about it? I didn't read the article um, in depth, but if you can talk a little bit more about it, that would be nice.
0: Yeah, sure. So this research is about the combination of the uh, nanoscale sensor with the, I would say like a hierarchical micro nano structure to control the droplet. Essentially, this is the the technology to improve the sample handling. Essentially, the droplet-based sample handling, as well as the nanoscale sensor detection. And uh, with the uh, consequence in terms of the uh, rapid detection based on the, so-called latent frost evaporation, some droplet hovering on some heated substrate. However, this heated substrate is a micro-nano-engineered substrate. Therefore, it can uh, make the droplet hover, however, still ping the center part of the droplet. And then, the droplet can shrink due to the evaporation process. And uh, then, the final analyte uh, material where uh, enriched at a predefined location. This means we increase the sensing detection speed by evaporation process as well as improve the sensing detection limit by enrich the analyte concentration at a predefined sensor region. Yeah. This is the basic idea. So
1: mm-hmm. is it the test um people or is it the test environments like a room if it has Droplets of coronavirus,
0: or you can mm-hmm. use it for p- in-person testing. Yeah, uh, very good question. It's a very general like uh, strategy. This means wow. uh, the sample can come from, for example, nasal sample or blood sample. Of course, we need to do some sample handling. For example, the you know the the purification, you know filtering, or like the you know solid phase extraction. Okay, this kind of chemistry things. And after that, we know, oh, the virus is supposed in some, you know, purified, you know, uh, enriched or like treated sample, then we can do another level of, you know, enrichment and nanoscale detection. And this nanoscale detection is based on the vibrational spectroscopy using the molecular vibration modes, which can serve as a fingerprint, because each molecule Mm -hmm. will have many vibration modes and we use the light to trigger the vibration mode to be excited and then we use a light to read out this uh, vibration mode based uh, fingerprint of individual molecule analytes, yeah. And uh, this is the basic idea. Mm -hmm. So uh, are you working
1: with other people at Virginia Tech? You just said, you mentioned a little bit of chemistry there. Are you working Uh, [3] with other professors at Virginia Tech? Yeah, a lot,
0: you know, there is a ecosystem here. Uh, you know, for that particular paper, uh, our group work with a mechanical engineering group. They are the expert on the, you know, thermal heat transport process. They are the expert on the, you know, uh, you know evaporation you know, thermal process. And uh, relate to the uh, biochemistry virus. Then there's uh, some other collaborators in the environmental science or Environmental Engineering Department. Yeah, So basically.
2: Are there a lot of students working with you, or is it more professors?
0: Um, uh, yeah, so basically different group. Currently in my group, we have uh, four PhD students and uh, uh, five master students. Okay. And uh, some undergrad students, like one or two. And uh, my collaborators, they also manage a uh, you know, similar size group, like several PhDs, several masters. Okay. Usually, this is the you know very I would say uh, very fundamental research. You know, relate to your question. The sample can be anything. Can be sample from human, animal, or can be from the waste water, or can be from the you know the aerosol. You know droplets. Yeah, in the, you know basically you sneeze, right? You have a lot of droplets. As the well, smaller droplets, we call it aerosol, spread you know hovering in the air and then we need to have some other technology to collect the sample, and then basically, yeah, in terms of one product, usually it uh, involves many technologies, right? And uh, for us, like, uh, we focus on the sample detection, you know, basically, the uh, sensing plus the data analysis, which also involves machine learning. So nowadays, like the sample usually is a mixture. Even if you do some you know, filtering, you do some like, you know, solid state extraction. It's another level of filtering. Still, there is a mixture of many things. Then you need to use the statistics. You need to use the standard sample. And then, to calibrate, oh, use the machine learning. Standard sample, you know what it is. What's the concentration? And then, you want to correlate several standard samples with the unknown sample. So the endo sample, we also know what it is based on some other standard technique or gold standard technique like the mass spectroscopy, the traditional chemistry technique, or like the PCR, so, you, know, the, you know, basically it's the standard, which typically is very accurate, but slow. Usually nowadays it's, uh, okay, you develop something quicker, but the accuracy is not so good. Therefore, you need to use machine learning actually to statistically correlate something you really know what it is. Then in the future, any signal you can, based on statistics, try to correlate to what kind of situation based on the standard sample and the gold standard techniques. Yeah. Absolutely. That's
2: interesting. Mm -hmm.
1: Interesting so um, you just mentioned a lot of very exciting research. Is there possibilities for undergrad students to get involved with it?
0: Yeah, absolutely, you know, we always have uh, at least like two or three undergrad like students uh, involved in our research and uh, uh, Some of them join like during the start of my year pretty early some of them join during the junior year and uh, i'm very proud of them you know one of them graduated uh, you know he is uh, you know his name is roman okay he's a belgian like uh, you know dual citizenship guy you know and uh, he did uh his uh, undergrad in my group also finished his uh, master in my group and then he won a very you know very competitive uh, fellowship the bill gates uh, gates foundation fellowship at the, that's awesome. Yeah, in, in Cambridge, I think, yeah. Now he's doing the post-doctor uh, uh, research at Cambridge, yeah, for the that's, second year, yeah.
1: That's, that's really awesome. So mm-hmm. can, how do undergrad students get, get involved? How do they get in touch with you? Do they email you? Do they go to the website or something?
0: Uh, yeah, usually based on the interest. You know, some of them know me during my class, and some of them just you know, see my website and join my group. You know, basically we have a discussion and then I may uh, share them, you know, what's the vision from our group in terms of research? And then uh, is this your, you know, their interest? Basically the interest is the key. Absolutely. You know? Because you know, our research is a, a little bit difficult, to be honest. You know? There is a very high, I want to say, like a threshold to break into the, you know, the, the real thing, okay? It's not, uh, you know, because you see, right? You know, a lot of our research is related to the device engineering for the biomedical application. And uh, some of, some other part of our research is related to the nonlinear quantum photonics. Yeah, it's quantum thing, yeah. So I think, you know, a deep physics background is very helpful and uh, some of them basically they just uh, like try their best to learn the things by reading the papers journal paper by paper published in some you know high level journal like uh, science uh, nature you know i may recommend some you know some paper relevant as well as some like you know nature sister journal nature photonics nature electronics yeah so i feel like you know if they are interested in research they are interested in pursue some future career like in the national lab like air force d o d national lab or d o e national lab, or you know they want to pursue a career like that try to be a program manager in the you know agency like different research engines yeah, I think that this can be a very helpful like experience and also some of uh, my collaborator, uh, they also ask uh, us, or uh, including me, to recommend some good student to the National Lab for the intern during summer. And uh, yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of interesting opportunities. But the core is that you know, they will be interested in doing research, you know, some cutting-edge research. They're willing to learn something new, yeah.
2: Sorry, so- do you mind if we add your email in our bio so that our listeners could reach out to you?
0: Of course. Absolutely. I'm happy. Yeah. Thank awesome.
1: You. So you just mm-hmm. mentioned um, how, how difficult and challenging your research is, especially when you're doing the, the nanomolecular um, studies. What kind of tools do you need
0: oh, to question. be able to do
1: that? I was very curious because yeah. that definitely are yeah. some expensive and challenging tools you might need in a lab
0: Yeah. to yeah. be able to study it. So if so, you
1: further Albert on yeah. that.
0: I'm surprised you asked a very good question, very relevant question.
1: That's our job. Yeah,
0: yeah. This is uh, so important, you know, we are experimental scientists. This means our goal is to make, uh, to design, fabricate, and use the things to solve the society problems, right, to healthcare, energy, and information technology. The, you know, philosophy is that we are doing something very fundamental. When we solve it, this thing can be used in many different uh, contexts, right? It can be used to detect this type of, for example, coronavirus, right? Think about it. coronavirus is just one type of a macromolecule, right? If you have a device which can detect the coronavirus in a labor-free, real-time manner, in principle, it also can detect other type of virus molecule or other type of the protein molecule biomarkers or other type of small molecule, like the pesticide, like the antibiotic molecules, right? So it means if you solve the fundamental problems, okay, indeed the impact can be huge because it can lead to secondary, thirdary, you know, many different levels of like, you know, uh, application based on additional tweaking, right? This means uh, if you want to use it to solve cancer problem, Then, in terms of sample handling, it should be different, right? It's from the tumor from the patient. The you know, sample handling process will be different if you want to use this uh, same technology, same physics principle to solve this problem. Then some other things, you know. The sample handling as well as the data analysis can be different. But this element, this component can be the same. You get my point, right? Yeah. So, Back to your question, what's the tool? The tool involve design. We do a lot of design, hardcore design, in terms of antenna, nanoscale antenna, nanoscale optical resonator. For example, now one of the research core of my group is to design and fabricate a nanoscale transducer, which can concentrate light at many different colors or different frequencies at the same location. We call it the multi-resonant nano antenna. This means this nano antenna can resonate induce a resonant property at a different frequency. So that this antenna can capture the light at many different colors or in different color. You know, the green color light, very big can suck by this antenna into really nanoscale the domain. A photon can be, you know, the optical photon, visible photon, typically is uh, you know, five hand, uh, 500 nanometer cube, this big, this photon. This antenna serves the purpose to suck this big photon into a very small volume, like a uh, 10 nanometer you know, cube. One photon compress into this 10 nanometer cube by three order of magnitude. This means
1: increase
0: the density of uh, photonic states. We design this kind of thing by what? By the numerical simulation based on Maxwell equation. Some com- commercial finite difference time domain solver. Okay. This is one too. When need to design it. We cannot do trial and error. We need to enter the physics. Then designs the device, and then we fabricate it. That after the design stage, the fabrication, you know, other thing is like okay, the you know circuits. This thing is a pretty, pretty like straightforward. But the design the nanoscale, you know, antenna resonator actually is not so straightforward. Okay, it's based on some you know physics understanding. Next thing is the fabrication. We adapt the top down. Semiconductor uh, semiconductor industry compatible fabrication scheme to make the nano devices, and uh, one particular strategy we use is called nano imprinting lithography. Okay, it's a scalable, low-cost uh, nano patterning technology, and uh, we have a machine. Okay, we do this nano patterning, and uh, after this patterning process. Then we also need to build the antenna or build the device based on the conventional semiconductor industry, clean room technology, including the photolithography, which is a microscale like lithography in our lab, you know, sixth floor in ECE department as well as different type of uh, physical vapor deposition. Our, you know, our department uh, actually have uh, I think $20 million, you know, infrastructure different type of tools, yeah. So it's not uh, our, it's the user facility. So all the user can use it, yeah. As well as uh, the, you know, after the fabrication, then this is the testing, right, characterization. There's the geometric uh, structure characterization tools, like uh, scanning electron microscopy, you know, it's like a one million dollar, you know, facility. We have our CRC, you know, uh, nano characterization like a facility, user facility. They also host like a 30 million dollar like uh, infrastructure is yes, there. And then other than this geometric uh, structure characterization, our lab do a lot of optical and electronics characterization. Especially the optical characterization, we do a lot of like Raman spectroscopy, photoluminescent spectroscopy. And uh, more recently, supported by the Air Force, we built a ultra-fast femtosecond uh, optical measurements uh, uh, setup, which can allow us to do some ultra-fast quantum optics categorization. Basically, you know the, the nonlinear optics, you know the multi-photon process in the device. And uh, yeah, this is uh, the 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 big picture. Basically, the tool is very expensive. Yeah, very expensive. The human is very expensive. Doing the experimental research is very expensive. And uh, basically, the government, the federal, and also the taxpayer support us. Therefore, it's our duty, especially as a PI, right? You know, I have the university role as well as a PI. I bring the funding, then I also have significant responsibility to make sure we can do good research can solve the society problem with such expensive like uh, support from different levels. Yeah, as well as the, hopefully the students get a good training. But another thing the federal agency exp- their expectation is that train the good students undergrad students, master students, PhD students, they can do the innovative research related uh, job or tasks uh, so that they can create uh, the new value for the whole nation yeah this is their mission to support us yeah
1: so a couple mm-hmm. of quick follow-up questions you refer mm-hmm. to yourself as a pi would that be a private investigator oh
0: yeah oh, that's yeah. awesome principal investigator. yeah principal or private principal investigator oh yeah. i was like
1: private investigator. <laughs> <laughs> doing a detective movie here yeah. Okay. Sorry. And then the second follow up was, so you said your responsibility was to also create good students yes. and give back to the society. So that's a yeah. good segue into your teaching. Your teaching, what classes do you teach? What's your teaching philosophy and the principles you try and, and, and teach your students. So if you can talk about okay. that, I'd, like to,
2: I'd mm-hmm. like to add one more question to that. Mm-hmm. how did you arrive at Virginia Tech? Oh, we,
1: we got so catered in this conversation, but yeah, please yeah. answer that question too.
2: Yeah. So, uh, one by one, so for
0: teaching, I like to teach, but uh, you know, I know my weakness, you know, for example, uh, oral presentation, you know, my language, in terms of the wording, can be terrible if it's the, you know, native speaker, you know. But uh, you know, I think, you know, I have to leverage my strengths, means the strength is, uh, you know, I know my topic, the weakness is, uh, In terms of the language, uh, probably, you know, my language is not uh, beautiful, you know, not, uh, you know, know, elegant, you know, and uh, this one thing. Another thing is, uh, uh, in terms of teaching philosophy, um, actually I have a lot of thinking and ideas, how to help students. I think the interest is the key. For example, uh, motivation comes from what? Come from the interest as well as come from the reasoning you know you learn this with uh, reason right this means that you expect to uh, to benefit from this experience you spend uh, ten hours twenty hours you know, thousands of hours for one course with um, expectation right by expecting you know you, you can get a job you know it's important, but the more important is that uh, you get interest this means it improves the experience. You learn one thing, but if you learn this thing with some level of uh, curiosity, some level of uh, self enjoyment, then this makes the whole process much easier and makes the quality of life higher, yeah. However, how to do that is not easy. And uh, my thinking is, uh, first of all, it's always a balance. The the course I'm teaching usually is uh, not an easy course. For example, I have taught the uh, analog electronics. I have taught the, you know, uh, electromagnetism, EM field. I have taught the optoelectronics. I have taught the uh, fiber optics. These are the undergrad course. I have also recently taught the physical electronics. This is a new sophomore course. We you were know, in your
1: class hard. this spring.
0: Okay. <laughs> so so I, I think, you know, this is something like, uh, uh, actually, this physical electronics course is something that like, uh, really like uh, makes me a little bit, uh, you know, I feel like this is a challenge. The reason is very simple. It's a merge of uh, two typical one semester course. And, uh, you know, back like uh, 40 years, uh, each course can be two semesters. But uh, I understand the philosophy, which is very good for the department is to uh, help the students as sophomore quickly dive into what's the landscape relate to the fundamental things you know, device, the uh, lever you know, in terms of the foundation, physics, quickly diving into it. And uh, I think with Dr. Poon, the lesson we have learned is uh, we need to be a little bit less aggressive in terms of how much things we need to teach. Instead, uh, we need to dilute it, but with more contents in terms of the, for example, mathematics. You know, the 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 you know, integration, the derivative. Okay, this kind of things. Okay? the vector. You know, business. You know, di- You know, basically dilute it. You know, basically work with you guys more smoothly. On the other side, uh, probably like a dilute with more examples, okay, with a big picture and uh, reduce the, you know, the difficulty in terms of exam. Reduce the, you know, the difficulty in terms of the homework, but uh, increase the repetitiveness. This means, you know, two things very similar, different, you know, twice then this can help you guys to remember. And then it's up to you guys in the, you know, in the junior, you know, you, you, were, you know, basically you will learn a lot of things. One more time with a deeper understanding, yeah. I guess this should be the things that I need to improve. Because in the fourth semester, I'm going to teach the same you know, physical electronics. You know I see a lot of feedback, good and bad. But I take it as very honest feedback, you know, we need to improve. Yeah, this is one thing. Uh,
1: it, it sounds I, like you're reading off my spot survey. <laughs> That's <laughs> all the things exactly what I said.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, but I feel like uh, the department is also very supportive, you know. The feedback is, uh, you know, a lot of calls have very difficult. Another thing is that, uh, you know, the online teaching is difficult. For example, how to manage the exam. It's, uh, it's you know, I want to make it fair. Dr. Poon wants to make it very fair. However, it's difficult. Then how to help, you know, now I have some other thoughts, you know. Instead of relying on the exam so much, maybe we can create some final projects, you know, with more, you know, more loads in terms of writing, in terms of, you know, your your analysis of some problems, okay. And uh, yeah, some students can copy paste, but now it's very easy to check the you know, if this is a copy paste, right, there's a lot of professional like, you know, software to check the prior lecture. Yeah, I guess with this way, we can probably also reward the good student and, and then motivate the students to learn. Yeah, I guess That's a lot of thinking in my mind to improve this course. Yeah. So
1: talking about fall semester, are you excited um, with the yeah. semester almost very, very close? Yeah to us what are your thoughts on the upcoming semester what are you looking forward to most and what did you miss most because of COVID-19 um,
0: i what i miss most is the face-to-face interaction Because i expect uh, a lot of uncertainties yeah and uh, this uh, you know the the COVID-19 make the students always like you guys cannot interact so like smoothly like before and also the student and the uh, advisor or teacher's uh, interaction is, uh, you know, I would say, is kind of uh, deteriorated with uh, one or other like factors. The way to improve, I guess, is still by, you know, it's, it's difficult, but I still prefer like we can do the real time like online course. Now, I guess the strategy is that it's not mandatory, but I would encourage students student to join in the real time online course and that gives some reward if you you know you join the real-time online course for many times give you guys like two points or three points you know as a rewarding like uh, you know bargain uh, rewarding like a uh, uh you know way to 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 engage you guys yeah
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah i think this is something i feel like very sorry you know for you guys right <laughs> the coronavirus like uh, makes the college life you know very vivid like colorful college life uh, you know something like not 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 good yeah
2: yeah
1: definitely. that's a great way to describe it actually yeah
2: no that's very interesting but uh i bet there's a bunch of new steps taken for the incoming mm-hmm. semester so i think it'll be more smooth as compared yep. to the last semester mm. last semester it was all like suddenly the school shut, shut down and all shut, and shut down yeah. and our courses were and our courses were actually hard. So everyone was panicking. So that's that's pretty much why I think yeah. the course was like pretty difficult, but I think it's gonna be better this semester. I'm excited. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
1: Going back to one of the points you made earlier, mm-hmm. you said that the language barrier is somewhat slightly challenging as a, as a professor. So what do you think the university students and everyone around should do to try and break down the language barrier so people from across the world can come together like you did, like you came from China, people from across the world can come mm-hmm. together and teach and learn from each other. If you have any thoughts on that, it would be an interesting okay. answer.
0: Yeah, uh, I think, um, you know, this is a free land, right? You know, we cannot enforce. you have to learn like 100 hours per week. I think the, the key is the, the motivation. Uh, you know, my job, I have to give presentations from time to time in the research conference and I have to write papers, proposals. This means there's always a level of pressure to push me to improve. This is one thing. And also by teaching, again and again, I have to improve. But the, another thing is that different people have different uh, genetic or whatever, brand, you know. Some people learn really fast. Some people learn relatively slower. And uh, I guess, for this part, uh, it's up to the, you know, the, the, for example, job interview, right? I come here. Oh, back to your question, you know, how I come here. Yeah, I think, you know, I, you know, just like, you know, industry, you know, positions, academic positions, I need to write, uh, I need to submit an application package, right, for example, I submit 20 to 20 programs, you know, material science department in one university, optics uh, department and so on and so forth. And uh, uh, Virginia Tech ECE uh, actually uh, provided me the offer very early in the spring, like uh, early February. Yeah, this is one of my earliest offer, or like the interview offer. And uh, the department head, Dr. Luke Lester, is extremely supportive, you know, to be honest. One of the reason I come here is because of him. And one of the reason I really like him is we have a common language. His training is applied physics. Okay, he is an expert as the IEEE, uh, you know, the fellow, uh, hardcore like uh, uh, quantum electronics guy, hardcore, yeah. And uh, he understands my research in terms of innovation and he understands uh, what I can do for the department in terms of teaching. And what I can do for the department in terms of research. He already has some, oh, if I hire this guy in my department, oh, this course, that course, this guy can teach. Okay, graduate lab uh, undergrad lab. Okay, if I hire him in my department, he can collaborate with uh, Professor A B C D E F. This means one of the reasons I come here is because he he understands my background, my research background, teaching background, my education background. He thinks I fit into here, and then indeed uh, I fit here, and I agree with him. You get my point, right? This mm-hmm. means to make a good uh, environment. No matter it's a company, no matter it is a you know department or a like institute or like national lab, the leadership is so important. The leadership means. Uh, he understand what is the institute, what is the group, what's the team need. And he also understands the guy, you know, we're going to hire him. Is he going to survive here to try to, to kind of like be successful here? Yeah. So was Dr.
1: Lester the person yeah. who interviewed you? Yes. Interesting.
0: Yeah, with a couple of other senior professors, yeah.
1: Very okay. interesting. When was that? What year was that? 2015. Awesome. So you've been here almost five years now. Yes. Awesome. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your
2: favorite part about What's your favorite part about being at Virginia Tech?
0: Oh, so the life is wonderful. You know, I don't like traffic at all. You know, I spent several <laughs> year at uh, Boston, several year at uh, uh, Evanston, close to uh, you know uh, Chicago. You know. Uh, usually, you know, at Chicago, at Evanston and Boston or, you know, Cambridge in the harbor and the Northwestern, this, a uh, very expensive place. Therefore, Absolutely. you know, I came here, I came to us with my wife. So in the very early stage, I have my family, you know, I have my daughter during my, uh, PhD. This means, you know, I always choose some place far from the campus. Okay. That means there is a communication. There's a parking right I know like you know if this is a big city. You know, there's a communication is the one thing and also take care of kids Not send them to some oh, daycare to some like school some class. It's very complicated here. It's wonderful very easy. Yeah. And other than that for the life the people here are wonderful. I think the people here in terms of the Collaborator, professors, as well as students, you know, you will see, because of this environment, people will tend to be more friendly compared to Boston. They are. I don't think they're not friendly, but they are busier, you know, they, they you Absolutely. know, they catch up, you
2: know, their deadline, you know.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Fast corporate life. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yep. So um, we're almost out of time, and before we go for today, mm-hmm. I would like to get your 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 takes on recent entertainment that you've been pursuing, a movie you you've watched recently, or a show, or a book you're reading, anything that uh, us and the listeners would be interested in knowing.
2: Yeah, or something something that you've been doing to spend your time over the pandemic, sure. apart from your yeah. research. We've heard a lot about. Yeah. Your research. So uh, uh, the life of a professor is extremely busy. You guys <laughs>
0: understand that, right? I have <laughs> now I have ten students, you know, I uh, you know many of them are writing papers. For example, you know, now uh, in my Google Drive I have seven manuscripts to be added for my students from seven students, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know this is good. This means you know the group is uh, productive. The students, you know, I have to say I love my students. You know, PhD student, master student. They're so nice and uh, self-motivated. They enjoy. It. And uh, I would say like this group is a junior group. Yeah, a lot of things are not perfect. You know, we still lack a lot of resource, but they support each other. And uh, yeah, basically this is one thing. You know, I really enjoy my job because I see they improve. You know, From year one to year five, they improve. And also, I see, sometimes I'm very critical, you know, I say, okay, guy, you need to be, you know, sometimes I say some nasty words, like, <laughs> you cannot be lazy, something like that, right? Okay. And uh, basically, they understand my intention is good for them. You know, this is one thing. Uh, this takes away a lot of my time. Therefore, this means after my, you know, you know, basically, research teaching, beyond than that, I have to spend all my time with my family members. This means all my, you know, basically entertainment, coupled with my kids, coupled with my wife. And uh, usually, uh, let me tell you, with my daughter I only have, for example, half an hour to one hour every day. Therefore I watch uh, some,